In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending August 19th, many in agriculture have already started conversations regarding the next farm bill, which is expected in 2018. But it's not only farm groups talking about it. Some lawmakers are doing the same. Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Representative Mike Conaway, talked recently about the importance of preparing now for the next farm bill. He knows the scenarios for agriculture are different now than they were when the current bill was put together. The backdrop in the farm economy is going to be dramatically different in 18 than it was in 14. Uh, things were going well, people were making money, the farm economy was good. That's not the case. And we'll have two more years of misery because I don't think the commodity prices are going to be a lot better in 18 than they are right now. And so we'll see that stresses and strains across production agriculture and the ripple effect that that has on, on rural America and, and that kind of thing. So I think we'll have a, I hate to say this, but a better story as to why we need it in 18 than we may have had in 14 itself. And so part of it's got to be we've just got to do a good job of selling what's needed, why it's important. It delivers the most affordable food and fiber supply of any developed nation to America's consumers. When that mom goes to the grocery store uh, and she's got a limited budget, she's getting the best deal she can get anywhere in the world on the safest and, and most abundant array of food that's as possible. And at, at its core, that's American production agriculture delivering the goods. And so we got a great story to tell. We just simply have to tell it over and over and over and over. Until you're so sick of it, you don't think you can do it one more time, but you got to tell it at least two more times, and then you might break through just a little bit. So I'm trying to deputize everybody I can because Production Act has a great story. Now, they don't brag of themselves real well. That's just not who they are. Uh, but they got to start doing that in order to help the broad issue to, to continue to deliver. So we're looking at 18, and the changes that might or might not be there. As I said, I'm going to be driven by what impact does it have on the cost of food for that folks in the bottom third, bottom 20% of the, uh, of the economic food chain, because that's where the, the real strain would go if we arbitrarily and capriciously raise price of food just because we can. And Conaway says it's important for him and other lawmakers to hear from folks involved in agriculture to make sure the next farm bill meets their needs. We'll start hearings next year and uh, field hearings. I want to continue to hear from, uh, you know, when the producer groups come, they bring their producers, and, and that's a, a group of folks that it's important to hear from. But I want to try to hear from others as well and get our committee members out and amongst the folks. You know, I represent a lot of cotton guys, cattle, sheep and goats, a little bit of sorghum. But I need to go hear from the from fruit and vegetable guys. I need to go hear from the tree guys. I need to, all those kind of things. I need to, to be exposed to those, and unless we – do that. I get to do it as chairman of House Ag, but many of my colleagues don't get the kind of broader exposure that we need. And so helping all of us, both sides of the aisle, understand that broader struggles under the 14 Farm Bill that doesn't affect, that's broader than the effects of just the folk you get to represent, uh, is going to be important as a part of this process. Well, in other news, normally a big yearly increase in production of a crop brings on lower prices. But according to a story from Gary Crawford, this may not be a normal year when it comes to cotton. U.S. cotton growers could harvest a 15.8 million bale crop this fall, 23% more than last year, but cotton prices may not fall. We're seeing prices actually increase a little bit. USDA Outlook Chairman Seth Meyer, and he says China's been holding huge stocks of cotton, and up to now, that has been hanging over the cotton market because no one knew what the Chinese would do with that cotton or how they would do it. And markets do not like uncertainty. But now, China's auctioning off some of those stocks. And at the same time, you've seen some price strength because I, I think it's revealed some underlying demand that folks were hesitant to make moves because they didn't know how the Chinese would approach this. Now that the Chinese have come out and said, Here's how we're going to do, and they start auctioning off the, the cotton, and it's sold well. I think there's 
some support from that. Enough support that USDA is raising its forecast for cotton prices for this new crop, raising it by four cents from last month's forecast to an average price of 63 cents a pound. That would be a nickel higher than this past season's price. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. Well, due to serious flooding taking place in parts of Louisiana and Mississippi that's displacing many people, it was announced this week that Peanut Prow will be sending peanut butter to food banks in those areas. Tyron Spearman has the details. The Peanut Proud humanitarian effort by the American peanut industry has decided they're going to provide some peanut butter to the food banks surrounding the flooded regions of Louisiana and Mississippi. Over 20,000 people have been displaced and many food supplies are low. At press time today, All Good Food has said they would already donate 42,000 jars of peanut butter and that is being shipped into the area as soon as they know where the food distribution sites are placed. Greg Grimsley, the chairman of Peanut Proud in Blakely, Georgia, said a donation of money is also being accepted to buy more peanut butter to send to the region. A full flat of 1,440 jars of Peanut Proud peanut butter cost $1,440, he said, a very good deal. But he said any amount would be accepted. You can send a contribution to Peanut Proud, Post Office Box 650, Blakely, Georgia, 39823 and earmark it for the flood victims of Louisiana and Mississippi. He said other peanut butter and peanut products are being accepted, with shipments expects to roll as soon as distribution sites are designated. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. With this week's Georgia Grow Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grow Moment, Cindy Norton with the Department of Agriculture discusses the variety of agritourism activities available in Georgia. Agritourism is a farm that is open to the public. It may be a pick-your-own. It may be a winery that has tastings and there are vines growing. It may be educational. It may be a historic farm that tells you about the history of the farm and what was done there during that time period. Just a huge variety of activities. Cindy talks about the cooperation between Georgia Grown and agritourism businesses. Well, I think being a part of Georgia Grown, it shows that you're a business that's out there that is based here in Georgia and that we're usually it's synonymous with the quality of what we have to offer here in the state. And in participating in our program, we try to promote both businesses, and then they help promote us, too. So we're kind of working together. For more information, visit www.georgiagrown.com. This is Nathan Wilson reminding you that if it's not local, it's not Georgia Grown. Well, according to the latest numbers, 9 in 10 consumers are purchasing chicken on a regular basis. And Kathy Isom tells us why Americans are eating chicken in record amounts. Whether at home or out on the town, 9 in 10 consumers are purchasing chicken regularly. And this year alone, the USDA predicts Americans will eat 92 pounds of chicken per person. In fact, U.S. chicken consumption remains high with 2016 levels surpassing those from the previous two years, according to a recent study commissioned by the National Chicken Council. Consumers' taste for chicken shows no signs of waning. In the next 12 months, 21% of consumers anticipate eating more chicken from the supermarket, and 14% anticipate eating more from a food service establishment. The survey shows that more people are eating chicken away from home, and consumers with the highest consumption levels tend to skew younger, more affluent, and ethnically diverse with larger households. Among gender, total chicken consumption was split right down the middle, 50% female and 50% male. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Griner talks about how farming has advanced in the past 100 years and where it may go in the future. Did you hear that feature I did a couple of weeks ago about the tractor that follows voice commands? Well, it's perhaps 10 years in the future, but 
How many of you know when the first tractors were used on a farm? Tractors were becoming popular in the 1930s and 40s, but the first tractor to be used extensively was about 1915. So it took a hundred years to go from that ancient relic to today's multifunctional machines that do the work of 30 men. See, it took two mules, a man, and 40 hours to produce a hundred pounds of cotton. And that had to be hand-picked. You know, of course, that with today's technology, it would be more like 40 acres and 300 bales of cotton in that same span of time. What's the most astounding of all is, where will we be in the next hundred years? Even our most knowledgeable scholars can't even imagine what lies that far ahead. It doesn't really matter, does it? And that's AgReview for today. Every Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.